2 Timothy chapter 4. We're ending our series in 1 and 2 Timothy um, today. And we unpack these last um, verses of chapter 4, which I was simply entitled Long Lists and Final Words. How do we we get um, something from the text when it's just a bunch of names that Paul lists? And then just some final things that he says, right? And so we're going to unpack his word this morning. Um, this is final, Paul's last and final words. He's, he's going to be um, executed shortly. So this is kind of the last things that Paul says. And, um, and I think for most of us, if we look back over this letter, we're like, man, I, I would have ended with like, you know, what he said at the beginning of, of chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching right? if you're writing a letter and you know it's your last thing your last and final words that's what you're saying at the end, aren't you? no, just me? okay I, I'm just thinking like I'm thinking, okay but, but that's not what Paul does and, and we're going to unpack that this morning I want to ask you a question, though. I want you to do a little exercise with me. I want you to think about um, this. What will be said at your funeral about you? I know you're like, man, it's a little heavy, Brady. Like, come on. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, seriously. What, have you ever thought about that? What will be said of you at your funeral? What will people get up and what will they remember most about you? What will be said about you? I know it's a hard question to think about and and to process, but, but I think it's an important question for us today. Because our aim is simply this, and what Paul ultimately gets at is that the legacy you leave has eternal impact. Paul is writing to this young pastor Timothy and the church of Ephesus and he's challenging them and he's giving them some understanding so so now now mind you that this letter is written to a pastor and it's written to the church full of people who have surrendered and committed their life to Christ these are believers and so when Paul's writing this letter and he's he's telling us some things look as believers when we have put our faith and trust in Jesus when we have admitted to him that we are a sinner, that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that three days later, he rose out of, walked out of that tomb alive, claiming victory over death, and we believe and trust in that, and we surrender our life and make him the Lord of our life. When we do that, then, and only then, does our, the the things we do have an eternal impact. It changes our life. And so Paul's going to give some long, some, some lists here of some people. Not all of them are going to be positive. And so I want you this morning, as we dive into this, think about what is going to be said about you. Think of Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 9. He says to Timothy, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with his present, this present world, 
has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware, be aware, beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. So, so stop right there. We're going to skip to verse 19, and then we'll come back and address 16 and 18. Verse 19, greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So, so what, what do we learn? What do we do with this text? Well, first of all, um, Paul's going to kind of say some things about each one of these people. And, 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 and it all revolves around their faithfulness this morning. So, so with me, look, Timothy, verse 9, do your best to come to me soon. Right? Timothy uh, was, was Paul's faithful son. And this is not a, um, hey, if you get a chance, come on by, right? This is not what Paul's doing here. He's saying, Timothy, I long to see you. Come to me as soon as possible. Now, keep in mind, this letter would have been read publicly to the whole church. And so, so for Paul to write to Timothy and for the whole church to see, hey, Timothy, he wants you to come to him soon. Paul's communicating something to Timothy. I long to see you, my my son in the faith. You have been faithful to serve. You've been faithful, and I long to see you and be with you. And so we see this this idea of the faithful son that Timothy is to Paul. He says, come to me soon. He says, verse 10, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas is one of those negative ones, right? He's deserted. He, he's, he's the one that has just left. But why did Demas desert Paul? He says it, doesn't he? In love with this what? Present world. May that not be said of any of us that follow Christ. Because we were in love with this present world. As Demas is deserted, he's gone. And then he says, Crescens has gone to Galatia. We don't know tons about Crescens. We just know that Crescens was found faithful, that he, that he went to Galatia. We don't know a ton about him, but, but most scholars believe that Crescens just went to Galatia and just faithfully served. We have Titus to Dalmatia. Uh, what do we know about Titus? We know lots of things about Titus, right? What we do know is that Titus was a comforter. And Paul sends him to Crete to, to comfort, but to also set up the church. And Paul's like, hey, Titus has gone to Dalmatia, and maybe this is after his assignment was over at Crete. Now he's sending him somewhere else. But, 
Talk about the faithfulness of someone when Paul sends him one place, gives him an assignment, and he faithfully completes it, and then Paul's like, all right, now we're sending you here. Isn't that incredible? That Titus is, is known as this faithful person that no matter what, he could be trusted to be sent wherever. Is that our heart? That we would be trusted and be faithful when, when God says go whether it's Alaska or it's South Texas, two ends of the spectrum, we go because we're faithful to him. And then he says, Luke alone is with me. And this is not just like, well, Luke's the only one here, right? That's not what he's saying. Luke alone is here with me. Luke traveled with Paul. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician, okay? He wrote the Gospel of Luke, okay? He, he was, um, he, here's the crazy thing. We don't have any indication whether Luke was this incredible evangelist and could speak great things like Peter, right? We don't have any indication in Scripture that he was great at this or great at that, but what we do know about Luke is that Luke was always faithful. He just served. He was with Paul. He cared for Paul. He took care of Paul wherever he was. So when Paul says, Luke alone is here with me, Paul's communicating, hey, I've got one of the most faithful believers in all of the church with me, and I'm pumped about it. Luke alone is here with me. We're okay. Right? He's faithful. Luke is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. How many of you would that be set up? That you were just faithful. Just faithful. Just to serve wherever and however. That we not come in week after week and just sit in these chairs and don't find a place to serve. Look, every Sunday morning, there's a whole slew of kids that file out to go do kids' worship, to do a Bible study that's geared for them so that they understand the gospel. We need volunteers every single week to go with them. And you can sit there and go, I, I'm not gifted with kids, or I don't, right? Keith, Right? Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like fantastic with kids either, right? But, but what I knew know about Keith and Lacey and their heart is this. If they were asked, they'd file out that door and they say, how do we serve? Right? How do we serve? Are we just faithful? Whatever you need, God. Whatever you need. And then he's going to go on and he's going to say something profound and huge for us this morning. You're like, how do you get that? Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Excuse me, Paul. What did you just say? Get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful to me for ministry. Okay, time out, Paul. History lesson for you. Go back to the book of Acts, okay? Paul, as he began his ministry, 
there was this guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas was the first church planner. He's the first one to go about and start planting churches. And, and then Paul kind of comes under the tutelage of Barnabas. And so for a while in the book of Acts, we have Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, and then all of a sudden it, it swaps and it becomes Paul and Barnabas. Because Barnabas was the one that would, would come along and, and teach Paul all of these things, and then it turned where it became Paul and Barnabas, and Paul became the one that went and planted churches, and Barnabas continued on in ministry. But there's this moment, okay? Barnabas was what? He was the great encourager, okay? Barnabas was this incredible encourager. And there came this point in the book of Acts where Paul and Barnabas disagree. And that disagreement had to do with Mark. It had everything to do with Mark. And Paul was like, no, I have no use for him. We're not taking him. And Barnabas was like, eh, I disagree. He does have use. Uh, we'll, we'll separate and I will take him. And so Paul and Barnabas separate. Paul goes on his trip and Barnabas goes on his trip and he takes Mark with him. Paul, in a sense, had, had in that moment written Mark off. Let's be very careful. Very careful. Not to write off someone because we cannot see what God is doing. Because put in the hands of God incredible things happen and so mark goes off with barnabas the great encourager and now at the end of paul's life he's going man bring mark because that dude is useful because what what paul couldn't see and what paul couldn't do god could see and god could do i want to i want to illustrate this with a video this morning um about 11 months ago, 10, 11 months ago, um, there were some missionaries here from Honduras. The circles and the outlaws were here. And the circles, um, are they are in charge of, uh, in Honduras, um, teaching a lot of the um, uh, pastors in Honduras um, how to lead worship. And he was asking for instruments. If anybody had any old instruments, they would love to use them. And, and the Spencers had a, an old trumpet in their attic, and, um, and it wasn't being used. Okay? Not that they thought it was use, useless, but it just wasn't being used. Their kids had gone on, and it wasn't being used. And so John and, and Marcy brought that trumpet up here and gave it to the circles. And, and, and I want you to see this because this trumpet was in an attic. And put in the hands of God... It does this. I want you to watch this.
in the last 10 months, that Honduran pastor has learned the trumpet. And there came a moment this summer when over 100 missionary kids are gathered for a camp that all their electricity went out because of the storm. And they were able to continue and worship because of a trumpet. Don't you ever write anyone off. Because God can do incredible things and make someone useful for ministry. I hope that's said of every single one of us as believers. They are useful for ministry. It goes on in verse 12. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. He's the faithful messenger, right? Most likely Tychicus is the one that brought these letters to Timothy. But he's the faithful messenger, the one to bring the message. And in verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. So, so listen, Carpus here is, is, is the faithful host. He's the one that Paul entrusted some pretty big things to. One, his cloak, which would have been costly okay it would have cost Paul a lot of money and Paul's like hey I left it with Carpus I need you to bring it to me but he also says also the books and above all the parchments out of all these things the parchments are what cost the most money but Paul's like hey I need you to bring them to me I need you to bring those to me because most likely Paul still continued to want to write letters to these churches and that's what he would have done it on is these parchments and so we see Carbus, the, the, the faithful host. And then verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed your message. And it says about Alexander, he's like, hey, I'm just warning you about him. He opposes the message, Timothy, and, I, and I'll warn you about him. And then he's going to list in verse 19 through 21, he's going to list all of these people. He says, hey, greet Prissa and, and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Tro Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and <clears throat> Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord will be with your spirit. Grace be with you. He lists all of these brothers and sisters that are with him, that have come to minister to him, and says, hey, Timothy, they send their regard. They send their prayers. They send all that they are to let you know that they're with you. Now, what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ, encourage one another, hey, we're with you. Whatever you're walking through, I'm with you. Right? Whatever's going on in your life, we are together in this. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are together in this. I hope that, that, that at the end of all of our lives, whatever is said about us, most of all, will say that we were faithful. That we were faithful. Paul's going to say his last words in verses 16 through 18. 
At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. I, I love how Paul does this because it's, it's, it's the way Christ would have did it, right? Lord, forgive them as he's on the cross, for they know not what they do. This is the same vein Paul is saying here. In my ver first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. But God, may it not be charged against them. Because listen in verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying here, in all of it, God is the one that sustains me. In all of it, God is the one that sustains me. He's the one that pulled me out of the lion's mouth. He's the one that will bring me safely into his kingdom. He is. Paul is saying something profound because, listen, here's the thing. If you don't know, here's what Paul went through. He was beaten multiple times. Paul was beaten and left for dead. Paul was shipwrecked three different times. At one point, floated in the sea for a day and a half. That sounds fun. Anybody? No? I, I'm not like, I don't get in the ocean anyway. Like, I've watched too much Shark Week. It's not happening. Like, but I, I mean, I, and I, I'm, I, 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 I was laughing about this with Logan. It's like, I, I, I don't, I might pass out from the anxiety of floating in the sea for a day and a half. I may die from that before anything else, right? But this is, this is what he did, right? He was stoned and left for dead. Again, stoned and left for dead. I remember growing up in West Texas throwing rocks just because there's nothing else to do. We just throw rocks. And, and, and just thinking about that, it's like, they would pick up rocks and literally throw them at humans. And, and that happened to Paul. He was stoned and then left for dead. They just like, man, eh, we've thrown enough. We're leaving. That's what he went through. He was snake bitten. Well, that story, Paul reaches in and gets bit by a snake and survives. But there wasn't suffering that didn't go with that. If you know anything about snake bites, they're not pleasant, right? Swelling happens. There's all kinds of things that go on. They're logical things. Like, this is what he went through. He was robbed. He was jailed. Starved. There was an assassination plot against his life. Like, this is Paul's life. Philippians, to live as Christ, to die as gain. It was the Lord who rescued me. 
It was him who sustained me. At the end of Paul's life, his final words, above all, you need to know that God is the one that did it all. All so that the message could be proclaimed. And I wonder for us this morning, would, would our lives declare that? Would it say that above all, God is responsible for my story? Above all, God is the one that used me to proclaim his message. That it's not about the house that I managed to build here. It's not about the kingdom that I managed to, to, to accumulate here. Because guess what? All those things, they fade away. Your house that you live in here now in 60 years could be gone easily. The clothes that you wear will be out of style next week. Probably already are. The stuff that, that we think we have to have that's going to somehow make us happy won't. The message here is that God is the one that sustained me. God, 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 God. At the end of your life, will your impact to your children, to your grandchildren, to those you work with, to those that are your closest friends, to your brothers and sisters in this room, at the end of your life, will they say of you, their story was all about God and what He did. Will they say, you're a good mom. They worked a lot. They provided well. What will be said about you? I know what I want said about me. I want my kids to stand up and say, above all, Daddy pointed us to Jesus. That's what I want. What do you want? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, we are grateful that every week we get to come in here and we get to open it up freely and we get to we get to be challenged by what you have called us to some days it's difficult father it's hard to it's hard to chew on it's hard to swallow but father pray that you would that you would just let us this let it simmer. Let it soak in. Remind us of what you have called us to do. How you've called us to live. And 
Father, may we live it. It's in your mighty name we pray.